Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Hiya everybody. Happy New Year. Um, we're already on the 6th. So we're already a week in, so we're a little late. And uh, tonight our subject matter is going to be New Year's resolutions. Which once you've decided that that's what you're going to talk about, by the time you get to the 6th, we're already scuppered, aren't we? Um, because what the whole thing is about is about deciding you're going to do something different to change your life. Uh, and the statistics go that 50% of people who say they're going to change their life, only 8% follow through. And by the 6th, that's already happened. Now that's quite amazing, isn't it? What about statistics? Now I like that, that uh, Miss Congeniality clip because it always made me laugh. Because, you know, what do you want? We want world peace. World peace! World peace. But then when you're asked specifically what that might entail, everybody goes, ooh, I'm not so sure about that. So you have to go back to a very generality which says, oh, well, let's all have world peace. And everybody cheers. But when it takes some commitment, discipline, specific idea of what you might do to create that, then it's a whole different ball game, isn't it? So tonight what we're going to talk about is how we can make lasting changes, um, but not ones where you're just striving just to say, I won't do this anymore. It's how do we commit to doing something which actually, if we put our energies into doing something, the things that we might not want to do, just get forgotten about, rather than us making a commitment to stop doing those things that might be a little bit destructive. Now, I don't know whether you understand about New Year's resolutions. I love history, and so I love doing a little bit of research to what they're about. But New Year's resolutions are one of these crazy things that we somehow somehow by just um, uh, culture embrace, but we have no idea where they stem from. And it goes back many thousands of years, and it goes back to a very ancient culture, um, and it was to do with the Babylonians that at the start of the year, you would make promises and vows not to yourself about your life, but to God's in order to secure their um, uh, goodwill and favour on your life so that your life might be okay. Now, we would call that pretty pagan idea. And um, it, it went on for many thousands of years. That was what a New Year's resolution were. You made those promises to the gods in order that your life might be favoured. And it wasn't until the Roman times that basically it changed and um, the new year changed from spring to January. Now that's even interesting because when you think of all our calendar, it's all very Roman. 
Are you aware of that? It's very Roman. So January represents uh, the god Janus, and he had a, he had a, a head with a face that faced both ways. So he looked this way, and he looked that way. He looked into the past, and he looked into the future. So when the Roman government changed uh, the new year to be January, that made sense because you were saying goodbye to the old year and to the new year. And that's when you again made vows to the gods in order that you might uh, get their favour. Now, isn't it funny how we get to this time thousands of years later and somehow we still do something that's similar, similar. We, we wanting to do something that somehow changes our lives. Now, the idea is this, that I don't care whether it's New Year, because when all said and done, it's a date. Why not do it on your birthday, for crying out loud? What does it matter what day it is that you decide that you are going to do something because you're letting go of that which doesn't fit you anymore or doesn't serve you anymore and you decide, I need to make some changes not to make the gods happy, but in order for your life to be uh, more complete. Now, what they say is that it takes 20 days to make a habit. I don't know whether you know that. 20 days. If you do something for 20 days, apparently it becomes a habit. If you continue that behavior for 90 days, it becomes a lifestyle. Now, that's an interesting factor. Now, I would say that most of us never manage a week to make it a habit, let alone the 20 days to make it, you know, what we need. And we certainly don't make things a lifestyle. But isn't it interesting how some of the negative things in our lives have somehow managed manage to get that sort of attention. I find that really, really interesting. So tonight we're going to talk about how much do we want things? Because I promise you, if you want it, you will go the 20 days for a habit and you will go the 90 days, three months to make it into a lifestyle. But if you don't really want it, don't even start. Because your determination is what will matter. Does, does that make sense? I want to read something else to you. And it's on my phone, so forgive me just for one second. Um, and I'll have to find it. Oh, tiny. Let me It was this. Okay. We all want different things in our lives. But most people would rather bypass the blaze and go straight to being golden. Now, you know what I mean by that, being put in a fire and, and, you know, the pot boiled up so you become the pure gold. They'd rather skip the rub and simply become a pearl. Now, that would, take, that would make a wonderful um, uh, cue session. It's great because we're talking about the pearl um, in the oyster that without the irritation, the rub, of, of what it picks up off the, the, the sea floor, it will never become the pearl. And they're not willing to forego the pressure and somehow become a, to become a diamond. And they waver off the sharpening and go, to go straight to being sharp. But the path towards enlightenment isn't having any of that easy road nonsense. It's not a path towards enlightenment because it's easy. 
It's the path towards enlightenment because it's difficult. And if you're on it, you know exactly what we're talking about tonight. Now, I believe that what Q is about is, is making diamonds. It's about bringing the gold to the surface. It's about sharpening the iron. And tonight, we're actually going to use a wonderful illustration, which is about separating the, the, the wheat from the chaff. And I'm just going to be brilliant at that. So, have we got some resolve tonight? What are you resolving in yourself that you want? Well, it's going to take discipline and it's going to take strength. And tonight we're going to talk about that. So on we go. Thank you. Are we on again? Hi. One of the great um, pursuits that I've had over the last 12 months has been um, trying to absorb how the universe works, how things work. Um, there's a verse in the poetic part of the Bible that says, the heavens declare the glory of God and creation declares his handiwork. Um, I was raised... Um, on a Christian perspective that I think was very narrow. Many things about it were very helpful, many things I'm incredibly grateful for, but it, it was, it was uh, certainly very narrow. And uh, all I understood by that was, you know, as you look at the creation, God made that and therefore honour God. But what, what I've discovered and what I've found is that the universe has a way of working and... If your interpretation of Bible, Scripture, Revelation does not correspond with how the universe works, and yet we would say that God is behind it all, then probably your interpretation of what it is that you are reading is not correct. And uh, so in view of all that, there are many things in the process of how life and the world and creation and nature works that formed the basis for understanding something about God and humanity and our lives and how we work. And uh, one of the things that you will learn about the universe and about creation is the slide that is up there. It's impossible to change the future without disturbing the present. And yet, if there's one thing none of us want disturbing, it's the present. I want my future changed, but don't mess with things. But you can't have the two don't go together. If you want the future to change, then you have to change the present or disturb the present in order for the future to change. Now, nobody's asking you to create all the elements that will manifest as a changed future. The only thing we're being asked for spiritually, by God, by how creation works, is the willingness to be disturbed and to disturb things. Um, sometimes that's not a good place to be, and if you're a disturber of people's present, that's not always the, the way to get a lot of accolades. But there's a process that must essentially take place in, in the life cycle of wheat, interestingly enough, which is mirrored in life. If, if it and us are ever to realize 
our full potential. Now, of course, modern farming methods don't always allow us to interpret some of the wisdom of ancient writings like scripture because we now have combine harvesters and all those kind of tools. So you have to put things in context, but when these things were being talked about, the, the, the expression of them, the truth of them, was very, very powerful. And um, uh, one of these is, is we have been robbed of in, in, our, in our modern farming methods because, because this imagery that we are presented in ancient times can be very helpful to our understanding. So, so we have this issue of wheat and how you release the potential that is this thing that represents the giving of life. So the objective is to produce, in Bible terms, seed for the sower and bread for the eater. Okay, now that's Bible terms. Seed for the sower, bread for the eater. Something to plant so you get a harvest and something to eat so that you have life. Now, um, he also doesn't talk about it, but if you're a fan of wheat beer, that might also be another you know, the old vice beer, I mean, it's, it's, uh, let's not forget that as part of the process. Um, see, when you understand the process, it ensures that life and strength for now, that's the bread, and a harvest for the future, that's the seed. So it's life and strength for now, and it's a preparation for the future. Now, now having said that, this involves two vital elements that we are no longer familiar with, and those two Elements are the, are the process of threshing and the process of winnowing, which it's all done mechanically now, so we never get involved in it. But you see, threshing involved taking a threshing sledge, and a threshing sledge basically was either a, a, a plank or very often it was a bit like one of those kung fu nunchuk things that would be on a, on a rope or a chain and you would, you would take the harvested grain, the wheat that had its stalks still on it and, and, and that had the, the bit around the wheat. You've seen those little heads that the, the little piece of wheat is inside, the kernel, and you would beat the living daylights out of it. And uh, there was a reason for this. And the reason was to loosen the grip of that which holds the seed but is no longer required. So this thing surrounding the seed is now no longer required. And the only way to loosen it is by threshing. Now, now I appreciate that, that threshing and thrashing are two very closely connected words that can be a little bit of a problem for us because thrashing and threshing can seem awfully like the same thing and the difference really is found in the purpose because because one is about pain and retribution if you ever had a good thrashing even though your mum and dad claimed that it was about loosening the bits that it was a lot of it was about pain and retribution because you broke the rules or you upset something but threshing is about purpose and release so it's quite a violent process but but it's for, it's for purpose and it's for release. Now, if that has to be done in the context of creation, I would have to now transfer that and say, there is a need for threshing in the life of human beings who want to have the life released that is the potential for future that is bread and seed. Now, now that might not sound like good news, but... 
It's good news in the sense of if you know that this is a reality of creation, if you know the Bible talks about this, if you know this is part of the process and you know why the process occurs, then it will help you to understand the difference between thrashing and threshing. Of course, the other element is, is the one of winnowing. And if the purpose of threshing is to loosen the grip of that which holds the seed but is no longer required, all that white dry stuff that you see when a, a field has been cut, the purpose of winnowing, which is a process of throwing the, the threshed stuff in the air, right, and I'll explain that a little bit more in my next session, the purpose of winnowing is to separate the seed from all the stuff that has no meaningful contribution to make it to, to make to its future. Now, you've got a lot of stuff like the seed of corn, like the wheat, that has gathered around you and is essential and has been necessary, but the truth is unless you can be loosened from that, which is what our resolutions are always trying to do, because we're saying, I've got to be loosened from this thing, and so we thresh ourselves at the gym or whatever in order to do it for six days until we run out of steam. But, but the idea is then, it's the issue of separating the seed from the stuff that now makes no meaningful contribution to our life. The sad thing is all of us are way too attached to stuff and lifestyles and things that make no meaningful contribution to our life. They bind us, they depress us, they hold us, they worry us, they frighten us, they give us fear, they confuse us, but we hang on to those suckers because that's what we've always had wrapped around us. And the story of the threshing and the winnowing is to say the stuff that's been wrapped around you for all these years has to be loosened and then somehow that has to be blown away from our lives. The point is to separate the wheat from the chaff. That stuff around the corn is called chaff. And you have to separate the wheat from the chaff, from the shell that's around it. And within the chaff is the seed. Now, I always like to bring this in because I think it's helpful. Every seed from anything in the world, every seed contains just one thing. Anybody know what that one thing is? Every seed, whether it's an apple seed, a pear seed, a wheat seed, whether, whether, it's a, whether it's a sperm seed into the womb of a woman, every one of those seeds contains just one thing. And the one thing it contains is potential. Every seed has within it potential. The idea of releasing the seed is so that the potential in the seed can do what it's supposed to do. And you are a seed. Without this process, the potential within the seed may never be realized. But freeing the seed means threshing is essential. But freeing the seed is the forerunner to transformation. So one thing I've learned is that life and relationships are great threshing tools. Um, I would hate for you for one minute to believe that somehow God is the great thresher who, you know, beats us up in life to loosen the stuff that is no longer of value to us. That, that would not be true. God does play a role in this, and I'll tell you which role God plays 
in a minute, but that is not the role, but that can often be the traditional view of God's role, that God beats the Jesus out of us, you know, to somehow humble us and make us holy, and that, that, is, that is completely nonsense. And uh, in some ways, he has no reason to waste his time, because life will do just as good a job. If you've got any sense about life, of being the threshing tool that beats us. And the, the, the issue is that, that nature will always use what is at its disposal for one purpose, and that is to bring life. I, I remember flying over, some of you won't remember this, um, but there are three mountains that are pretty much in a line in the northwest USA. Mount Hood, Mount Rainier in Seattle, and then in the middle... There is Mount, now it's Mount Hood, it's Mount Baker, and then the one in the middle, which is the one where the mid, Mount St. Helens. And a couple of decades ago, Mount St. Helens, which is an active volcano underneath, it, um, it blew one side of the mountain off. Really sad, a lot of people died. I happened to fly over it after the, after the event, and, and literally one side of the mountain, uh, the trees had burnt, they were charred, and they were all laid flat like matchsticks down the side of a hill and it was covered in ash and uh, they said oh the mountain will be dead you know we don't know if it'll ever recover which is a silly thing to say from even from a, a biological and science perspective because I flew over it a few years later and do you know what it wasn't but three years before things were starting to take root and things were starting to grow and that side of the mountain is now more fruitful and fertile and green than it's ever been not because that was caused by God but somehow nature finds a way to use what's at its disposal to do one thing and that is to bring life so so when we approach spring because now as, as older compatriots would say, nights, nights are drawing out. <laughs> Up to 21st of December, nights are drawing in. You know when you've got nothing to say to somebody? Hi, nights are drawing in. <laughs> well, now you know what to greet somebody with after tonight. Hi, nights are drawing out. We, we come towards a time that we call spring, and... And spring should be the beginning of a new year, really, not some, not some pretendy thing like Chris said at the beginning, because the, the whole idea was that, that in the winter, where, where some essential things happen because of the change of circumstance and environment, trees are not dead. What happens is that instead of growing up during the winter, they grow down so that when the time comes, that bursts into life and they grow up because nature will always take what is at its disposal to do one thing and that is produce life. And the whole gospel message is that God will take everything that is at his disposal in your life and if you will allow him to do it, he will produce life. The problem is, if you don't allow life to loosen you from all the stuff that's not relevant to your future, which is where the problem comes, then that life can't come because the seed that's in the kernel can't come out in order to produce life because it's still stuck in what the Bible calls the chaff. And we resist because we love our chaff. And we love what we've invested in it because our protection mechanism against life has become to draw the chaff around us. We dress ourselves in an exterior 
And sometimes that can be, you know, just an ego, just a, just a false self. Others, that where we dress ourselves around can be, can be in the grip of alcohol or drugs or, or our own sexuality or whatever. The grip of it that's actually masking what's inside. And the truth is, while ever we do not let that chaff be removed from us, it will always hold what could be within us. But you see, life beats us and life, life, life threshes us so that we'll get loosened with all that stuff. And then we're left with the, the seed in the, the chaff, but that's where we then resist. We want to hold that chaff around us. After all, it's that which we believe has protected us for so much of our life and we've invested so much into it. There, there are many of you in here today who've got some chaff around you because it's how you protect yourself. And the truth is, the chaff is not irrelevant and the chaff is not evil and the chaff is not wrong. The chaff has a purpose, but there comes a point at which the chaff has to be let go if the life is to come out. So I know all of us have ways of protecting ourselves. What we don't realise is that's the chaff around the seed. And while ever we keep the chaff... The seed, the true seed of who I really am and the potential of all that could be can't break out because I won't allow myself to be separated from the chaff. The chaff, the external shell which has no real value in the form of development of who you are and if you insist on keeping it, you're choosing to wrap yourself in death. See, the chaff around the seed... Once it's cut, it's dead. And while ever we hang on to that thing that we protect ourselves with, what we are doing, we're choosing to wrap ourselves in death, which is like, well, that's just crazy. Yeah, it is just crazy when we can get it loosened and get rid of it so the seed of who we're supposed to be can come out. I know that chaff's been essential for our journey up to this certain point, but then it must be lost. That shell of protection has to be let go because it keeps the true self locked inside. Your external is an echo of your past, but the seed inside of you is the message of your potential. I'm aware my external is the echo of my past and every day if I hang on to that it's like the chaff. It, it, it's an echo of my past, it's an echo of circumstance, it's an echo of all the things that threaten me, that frighten me, that intimidate me. That, that's what that is but, but the seed inside is the message of your potential. Let it go. Whether it's frozen or not, let it go. So we said that threshing is the means by which you loosen the stuff that has no real value in the development of the future, the life, the potential of the seed. But winnowing is the process by which the chaff is separated from the seed. Now, what happens in winnowing in the old days, you would take a, uh, what was called a winnowing fork, which is a rather clever name. What shall we call this? Well, what does it do? Well, it throws stuff in the air. What shape is it? A fork. Well, let's call it a winnowing fork. The Australians are like that. You know, why isn't an elm tree an elm tree? You go to Australia, what's that tree called? It's a stringy bark tree. Why? Well, because it has stringy bark. <laughs> and guess what the black-backed, white-tailed lemur is? Now, we'd have some fancy name for it, but it's like, well, we just call that the black-backed, white-tailed lemur. 
And the brown snake. <laughs> and the black snake. I like the Aussies, very pragmatic. Winnowing is like this, that's a winnowing fork and what you do, when it's all been loosened up and now we have the possibility for the seed to come out, there's one more process that's needed and that is you have to throw all that stuff in the air. Now I find it interesting that we have a colloquialism, you know, a colloquialism, it's a phrase that you use that doesn't mean what it says but, but is a synonym of something that happens in life. How many of you have ever used the phrase, oh everything's up in the air? It's all just up in the air right now. Do you know where it comes from? It's not from aviation. It's not about aeroplanes and helicopters. It comes from the ancient process of winnowing. It's all up in the air right now, which means that we're in that space where something has happened that has not yet been decided, but it will be decided because of what is happening right now. So it's necessary not only for our lives to be loosened from the things that have no future value to us, but it's necessary for us to find ourselves up in the air. And of course it's a place we feel insecure, it's a place that we feel vulnerable. But when we're up in the air, that's when the chaff, you see all that white stuff... That gets blown away and the seed, the potential, comes back down. And by the time the winnowing process is finished, all the stuff that used to be of value that's now of no worth has blown away in the wind and all we're left with is the seed, the potential, the life, bread to the eater and seed to the sower. Food for your soul and fruit for your future. That's the process of winnowing. It separates the chaff from the seed. So, I said I, I would talk about where God is, because I don't believe God inflicts our lives, I don't believe God beats us up in life, but an essential part of this process is the wind or the breath. It's no good winnowing on a still day. If there is no wind, there is no momentum, there is no produce, there is no working of this. There has to be wind. I find it therefore fascinating that the scriptures would associate the Spirit of God with the wind. And that where God is, there is a wind of spirit. And remember we talked about spirit is breath. The breath of God is always at work and when we are prepared to have our lives thrown up in the air because we've allowed the stuff to become loosened which is now of no value to us and if in this picture form we understand that our up in the airness is so that we are exposed to the wind or the breath of God and his spirit that then, if we allow it, begins to blow the chaff away. And there's lots of Bible verses talk about that. It blows the chaff away so that the seed of potential finds its place, but the process is necessary for the seed to find its place. So if you keep yourself protected from the wind, the death and life of the chaff and seed never become separated. So we live this mixed life of life and death, life and death, life and death. It just doesn't quite, why? Because we protect ourselves from the wind. We used to use an old phrase when I was growing up and it was called conviction. Now that was a terrifying thing. 
the Holy Spirit convicting you. And I think, I think we misapplied it in some ways. But on the other hand, I do get the principle that there has to be something that touches us in a way that says, I need to expose myself to a wind, a breath that doesn't come from me, but is in me and part of me and around me. And that is the presence, the breath, the work of God, of the Spirit of God, that ultimately he's his part in this process of allowing us to winnow away the chaff. The presence of the wind is as vital as the seed in the chaff. The two are the vital elements. The seed that is your potential, the real you, and the wind that separates the chaff and allows us to emerge and become all that we're supposed to become in the process of life. The truth is some things protect us until we're ready for a new day. So my question would be, with all your thoughts about New Year, are you ready for a new day? Because if you're not ready for a new day, the seed will still be in the chaff, in the kernel, which is still on the stalk, which is still firmly planted in where your life is, rather than you allowing it to be separated and the wind to blow and you to emerge into a new day. For that new day to be realised, those things have to go. For them to go, you have to be willing. But I believe when you're willing, something happens. See, because of how I've looked at nature and how I've looked at spirituality and how I've looked at God, I know that if this is true, in the natural process of the seed of wheat, it's true in the process of the human life, the human seed, the reality of who we are. And if we can catch this and there be a willingness to say, okay, if life hasn't loosened you from all that nonsense, then God help you. And I mean that seriously. God help you. But if it has, and you're willing, but that chaff, that protection is still there, that thing that we hang on to, that we think keeps us safe, if, if you're willing... I believe that as we're willing to let that be up in the air, that there is a process, just like with this, where the wind of the Spirit, the breath of God, graciously takes that away so that the seed of potential can fall back down to the ground and become all that it's supposed to be. Are you willing? Your willingness is an interesting thing, isn't it? I think sometimes we confuse want with willing. You know, we can ask a question pretty much know what you want. But that doesn't mean you're willing. And if our want doesn't turn to willing, then our want won't become reality because the willing is necessary. I believe the willing is when we are willing to say, up in the air, that stuff that I have held on to and kept that's protecting me, okay, I'm prepared to let go. I don't know what it all means. But I know that if that breath, if that wind of all that you are, carries that away, that something pure, something precious, something that is bread to the eater and seed to the sower, emerges on the ground. So I want to just pray for you. If, if maybe in your heart today you, you want to express a willingness. Willingness is never about how I know how to do this. Willingness is just about whatever this is. I'd really like it to be. And so something inside of me is saying, I'm, I'm willing 
to let this be. I think that's the dimension where stuff happens that we don't control. The, 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 the winnower doesn't control the wind. He can't switch the wind on. Now, we falsified that by, by the next thing they did, once they could get fans, was instead, if we don't need the wind, we'll have a fan. And I think religion has done that to us. It's, we've, we've built fans of religion and falsities that seem to do a job that are not the real thing. But, but I, when the real thing works, there's something that's not in your control, but something that impacts very powerfully. So I want to pray. Father, I just pray in this place tonight, as we approach what is to us calendar-wise a new year, that there'll be a willingness in every one of us to be separated from the stuff that might have got us to this place, but is no longer valuable to our future. And a willingness just to be up in the air enough in the breath of who you are for the thing that we had keeping our potential inside that we held as our protection to be blown away and for us to come back down to earth with the value of a seed that's bread to the eater and seed to the sower and the promise of potential becoming reality in Jesus' name. All right, got one last video before we... uh, kind of run through and it's it's from the film patch adams with robin williams it's a great movie you should watch it it's it's awesome uh in this clip um hunter adams uh he he has been in a very dark place some of you know what that's all about very dark place he checks himself in to a mental institution to get some treatment and um uh in, in admitting himself for this treatment, there is a point at which he, he comes to faith. But he comes to faith as he helps others. If you watch the movie, how he comes to faith is by helping others. Listen, I give you one tip for, for this new year. Live beyond yourself. Right? Live beyond yourself. Just learn, it, you may be you, but it's not just about you. And if you live beyond yourself, you'll find the real you like you never thought possible. And, and, and Patch, that's how he got his nickname, you see in the movie. It's not on this clip tonight. Uh, and I didn't turn my phone off because I can hear a text coming in right now. Um, nobody else has the minions on their phone, you see, so I know I'm the culprit. I can't blame anybody. But he comes to faith as he helps others. And the consequence of that is that he leaves a new man with a new name. And that is my desire, and it's our heart for you tonight, that you leave a new man, you leave a new woman with a new name. His new name was Patch because of what he did, and that released him, the seed, the potential within him from those dark days, he became released to be an amazing help to humanity, and we want you to be that tonight. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash qchurchyork. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.